0: Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Trish and Steve. Today, Trish, we are going to be talking about culture, more specifically, a new report that's come out from our friends at Culture Amp called the Culture Crunch Report, Top Trends Through the Employee Life Cycle, and even more importantly than the employee life cycle, also like what happens to culture as companies grow, which I always thought is a super fascinating topic. And we're going to dive into that in a lot of detail on the show today, which is going to be awesome. I'm excited about that, Trish. I'm also maybe excited about something else. Today, as we record this, as we speak, the Oscar nominations were released. That happened this morning. I don't want to get into that because it was kind of a weird year for movies with year two of the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, since it's an Oscars day today, and I have a movie-related question, Trish, and here it is. Okay. What movie do you watch Over and over and over again. You never get tired of it.
1: May I give two? Sure.
0: You may give as many as you
1: want. So my tried and true, I could watch it probably a million times, is Tombstone.
0: Oh, right. Okay. No
1: matter when it's on. It could come on at any point. If I'm flipping channels and it's on, I'm stopping. I love Tombstone. Don't even know why. Um, But the the latest one, I think, is called The Favorite.
0: The Favorite. I remember that With Olivia
1: Coleman. And she's ago. actually yeah. up for an Oscar nomination this year for The Lost Daughter. Okay. I tried to watch and I'm not loving. So what I did was I went back and watched The Favorite, but it's her and Emma Stone and it's wonderful. I don't know. We'll have to ask our guest if she's seen The Favorite, but it is wonderful. It's so funny. So good. What about uh, you? What's your What's your go-to like?
0: Yeah, I, I got a bunch of them. Twister, know, right? we've talked about that many times on this show. Um, the few, a few good men. I'd watch that over and over again. A
1: few good men. Okay.
0: Sure. Come on. You, I want the truth. You can't I handle. I will tell me. you. After, after
1: you know, I know you love Tom Cruise, and I'm not a Tom Cruise fan, but I did watch that movie finally, and I did love it.
0: So great movie. And then uh, you anyway, win. And a fun that's one good. for me is The Hangover, the original one. Oh, that's yeah. Eminently that's rewatchable. And, okay. All right one of the best. Very All good. Right. All right.
1: You'll have to ask our guest. What we'll her see if she,
0: I don't know if she's a movie person or not. We didn't prep her. She did not hear the question in advance, much <laughs> like you didn't, Trish. But let me welcome her to the show uh, formally. Uh, We're very excited to welcome our special guest, Freesia Jackson. She is the lead research people scientist at CultureAmp. Freesia is passionate about bringing data to people problems, which she has advocated for in diverse settings from government agencies to startups and ultimately led her to a master's in IO psychology at CultureAmp, a people and culture platform, she spent three years consulting with companies like Airbnb and Lyft to align their employee feedback strategy to their organizational objectives. Now as the lead research people scientist, she analyzes the data from all of CultureAmp's customers to bust myths, find common patterns, and share those insights with the world. Frisia, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you?
2: Good, good. Thanks for having me.
0: Good to see you uh, as we as typical in our, uh, our, our practice here Asia, we we invite our guests to chime in on the question of the day. Do you have a movie that you're like, oh, I watched this over and over again?
2: I love the aspect of a question of the day. This is very fun. Um, I love the Oscars. My husband and I actually every year kind of do a, our own draft of saying nice. we think this movie is going to win. He's a little bit better than I am, honestly. But um, I have seen The Favourite and I don't understand how is Olivia Coleman so good at playing royalty? She's just know. incredible. She's amazing. She's amazing. I think my movie that I watch over and over, although honestly, I'm a bit more of a novelty person. So I always watch new movies. But back in the VHS days, you know, when you only had a few movies, you could pull out Romeo and Michelle's High School reunion was one of my Love absolute favorites. It. And I actually watched it two weeks ago. And I was Did like, this really? holds up, it's still good. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm glad you mentioned that when I haven't seen it probably in at least 10 years, but that was an old favorite for sure. Oh my goodness. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm actually glad to hear you're an Oscar person that you and your husband do that. Oh, yes. Steve and I have been doing an Oscar preview show for years. I can't even count how many years and we always try and guess. And so I, w- I wound up when they announced them today, i guessed eight of the 10,
2: but wow. I'm feeling,
1: I don't know if you've seen any of them yet. I'd love to just hear that before we dig in on culture, but like I just feel like it's a it's been
2: a down year. I don't know. I'm not excited about many of that's, them this year. That's how I feel too. Actually, yesterday okay. we were scrolling through, you know, on our Google TV. It's like here's all the Oscar mm-hmm. buzz and I wasn't excited about watching any of them, which made me a little sad. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have
1: we'll follow up with you afterwards yes. for the Oscars. <laughs> Let's do a catch up. Maybe we can have you on our work break and uh, or, or our new off the clock show. I and, love uh, it. We'll talk Oscars and see, see what shakes out. But anyway, Hey, thank you for coming on to talk about culture today. And I know, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of things written about culture, a lot of, you know, different podcasts about culture, shows about culture. And I feel like it's saying a lot of the same thing. And what I want to at least preface this with is that this report, I feel like digs in, in a really different way that's actionable. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today to talk about some things that, you know, leaders can can really be doing and thinking about that are going to make a true impact on their culture. So, um, with that, I, I wanted to kind of start with you know, as as companies are going through many changes right now, um, a lot of them are actually experiencing growth, even though we're in a pandemic. There's been a lot of companies that are just growing so fast, right? We can't even keep yeah. up with things. So, can you talk a little bit about? you know how the growth of a company impacts culture and engagement you know at a very high level and then maybe we'll go deeper with that
2: yeah yeah that was really the intention behind the culture crunch report was we know that companies are going through so many changes especially now and our customers are constantly asking us the question like is this normal and If they're proactive, then they're asking us like, what should we expect? And we had our own anecdotal answers to that, but we really wanted to crunch the data and see what is the quantitative answer that we can provide looking across 4,000 companies, kind of what are the patterns and trends that we see? Um, And so we looked at several different company stages, funding stage, growth trajectory, and company size. And when it comes to growth trajectory, so as you mentioned, you know there were a lot of companies that grew. There were a lot of companies that shrank during COVID. Um, so when we kind of, how we defined company growth was based off of headcount growth. And when we looked at that, we found that there were about 35% of companies that grew and about 25% that shrank. And first, what we found was, perhaps unsurprisingly grow employees at growing companies are much more positive. So they felt like they had more career opportunities. um, They felt more confident in the leaders. They felt more motivated and they were less likely to be looking for another job. So kind of in a nutshell, when you're growing, you're grooving. You know, that that's
1: interesting. It reminds me, I had a conversation actually with a very high level executive the other day, and he was looking at, he's been at the same place for quite a while. And it's not that anything's wrong, but he was sort of thinking like, sh- is this a time where I should be exploring some mm. of the opportunities coming? And one of the opportunities was at a very high growth kind of company. The other one was more was a fine company, but a more stagnant company, I would say. And he was really on the fence. And I said, who doesn't want to go join a winning team? Like, I don't know about you, but I feel like, you know, so there's some, I think there's just some intuitive truth to that as well. So I'm glad to see that, you know, the data really bears that out because I think it's really hard when, when people are out there making these decisions, that, that could be a very big factor, right? In, in them deciding where to go.
2: Definitely. But it's not all rosy at growing companies. Uh, So that's another thing that we found, which was Of all the topics that we looked at, which were over 70 questions looking at engagement survey responses, as well as we have a a DEI survey and the responses there, we found that there were only three things where employees at stable companies were actually more positive than those at growing companies. So you can kind of consider these the pitfalls of growth. And so maybe your friend is concerned about these pitfalls. Okay. I know that you already know what the pitfalls are, but what would you have expected them to be? We'll let
1: Steve answer.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think that's a uh, that sort of le- was leading me into the next question I was going to ask. Where like if you're sitting in a growing company and and things are good and. Uh, revenues are going up, headcounts growing. You're being su- you're successful, et cetera, et cetera. Everything kind of feels good, right? A little bit of a halo yeah. effect, like. And so, what I was kind of wanted to get at next was, well, what are the things to look out for? As you said, the pitfalls. I would suspect that at least at least one of them would be just uh, you start to begin to feel a little disconnected from mm. from the other folks that you're working with, maybe, and then maybe also. I think this was in the data too. Maybe you start to feel not so confident or positive about the leadership uh, and some mm. of the leadership things too. Those are the two things I think I remember seeing, but maybe maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong or right about that.
2: Yeah, those are good guesses. So okay. those are things we saw when it came to company size, right. but actually yeah. growth itself did not affect those things. So okay. what we found as the pitfalls of growth were um, role clarity. So not being sure what success looks like in your role, right? Because it's likely changing rapidly and it's a little bit more difficult for employees to kind of see what, what they should be doing to make an impact and then enablement. So not feeling like the information they needed was available or up to date and then work life balance. So not being able to arrange time out from work when they need to. Um, So especially... When there's a lot to do, all hands on deck, it's really hard to find that, that time to recharge.
1: Yeah, I can see that would definitely be true. I wonder too, if, do you see, or maybe through clients who have been sort of in high growth mode, it seems like even when things do slow down in the companies where I've been a part of, where there was that Mm. sort of, you know, just feverish, almost, you know, work rigorous routine that you're going through, even when things finally stabilize, it's hard to get out of that mode too, which I think would totally. impact culture as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think once kind of those practices, that pace has been put into place, it's, it's difficult to step away from that. Like, actually, we don't need to be moving at this pace anymore. We can slow things down. Um, and I think that brings up a, a good point around the types of people that are drawn to growing companies are not necessarily the same as the types of people that are drawn to stable companies, right? Like all the things I just described around role clarity enablement, you have to be really comfortable with the ambiguity and be excited by that. Um, Whereas if you're looking for that, that stability, you're not going to find that in a growing company. And I think that so often companies want to really highlight those positives of which there are many when a company is growing, right? They want to say the team's growing and there's going to be so many career opportunities, but they don't always talk about that flip side of as the team grows, that means roles are going to be shifting around. You're not really going to be sure for a little bit how you can kind of best make an impact. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it strikes me as I was just, you know, I have kids that are getting ready to go to college and we're talking a lot about jobs and how you find the the perfect job if that exists. Um, It's interesting. I don't think I've really thought about that as I was getting jobs and interviewing, but it makes sense that you should, because if you're someone like I'm someone who doesn't tend to enjoy structure, I like more ambiguity. I like not having a role definition because I want to change constantly. So I have definitely joined companies where it was very structured and prescribed. And, and then I would wonder, like, why am I not feeling like I'm excelling yeah. here, right? So maybe that's, I mean, it's a good point that you bring up. I think that's it's something that could be very helpful as you're thinking about the company you want to work with, or maybe where you are right now, if you're feeling like you're not part of the culture of that company, that could be a very big indicator, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, well, I could have guessed that based on your response to who wouldn't want to like join a a rocket ship? (laughs) What what are we? Are we crazy here? Not everyone does. (laughs) I know, isn't that funny?
1: Anyway, okay.
0: Well, Friesia, if you looked at the data, and I I think prior to we we turned uh, the recording on, you mentioned that uh, Culture had published this type of a report a number of years ago, and and so I wonder if um, two questions really. One is. Were there really substantial differences, maybe, in what you found about scaling culture? Say, in this example that we're talking about, say, a few years ago until now, and then I guess the follow-up would be, if there is a follow-up, like, has pandemic and just work, kind of forced work from home for lots and lots of organizations, kind of changed the way we think about culture and we think about scaling culture in the in these organizations that uh, that perhaps were, were successful and were growing. Is it different now than it was five, six years ago?
2: Yeah, great question. So we did a Culture Crunch report in 2016, um, right when I joined Culture Amp. And at that time, we had 187 companies that we were looking at, and we were only looking at funding stage. Now we have 4,000 companies that we're looking at. We have just 187 in the Series C bucket. this time. So we've really been on our own little rocket ship um, and have been able to kind of make the switch of doing a lot more in-depth primary research. So that was only funding stage. And now I feel like this report, we're looking at so much more in information when it comes to growth trajectory and company size and i think those insights might be a little bit more interesting even i mean i love all my children my research children equally but <laughs> <laughs> we have seen differences but you know i don't know if if those differences are because of the difference in sample just mm-hmm. we can be so much more confident in the results now
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It seems yeah. like there isn't really much of a comparison, right?
2: No. <laughs> where
1: do you? I mean, if you could have a crystal ball a little bit, though, too, when you think about, you know, just a relatively short time that you've been there at Culture Amp, and you've seen that kind of growth in in the organization you're working with, and with the number of clients that you have, um, does it does it lead you down a path in your mind, maybe where the team is going to go in terms of, you know, your next crunch report, right? That you're going to do in, in whether that's a year or two years or three years or whatnot. What are you thinking are, are sort of the most important factors of where growth and culture and engagement kind of all go in the next couple of years? Where should people be looking?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like two different questions because what I'm most interested in, in researching is not always where I think it's going in the next few years. Okay. Um, but Actually, right now we're doing a, a research idea gathering process within Culture Amp from campers, which is what we call Culture Amp employees. Um, so I'm getting tons of ideas right now. The ones that I'm most excited about first is busting generational myths around generations in the workplace, because I hear those so often, and especially with Gen Z entering the workforce. It's just becoming, you know, it's every 10 years we hear something. And I think we have so much data when it comes to age and what's driving employee engagement for each of those groups, you know, how they're seeing their relationship to the company that we could really do some interesting things there. But I can't promise anything if that's going to happen. No, no, that, no, <laughs> we're not
1: going to, we won't hold you to it. But I, I think you're right. It's just we've got, you know, that a very new different generation coming in as well as many of us who have been working from home and hybrid work and all these different things yes. are having very different opinions of work ourselves so i think it's going uh, to totally. be a few a few interesting years of of new and interesting data so
0: we good. talked a little bit about kind of uh the type of person who might feel more comfortable and more charged up at i say a, a, a growing company versus maybe a stable company versus uh old company that's just very traditional and maybe yeah. teen. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I probably worked at a couple of different companies along the way that I've been in each one of those kind of situations and probably felt better at one versus the other. But the, the other, one of the other kind of areas the, the report dives into is not, it, it's a subtle difference, but a difference between not, so it's not about growing or trajectory of a company, but it's actually just company size in Mm -hmm. general, right? So small, mid-size to large enterprise, and what the relationships are uh, between company culture and company size, and sort of what successful, if that's the right even term to use, I'll use it for lack of a better one, what successful companies at each kind of company size or each stage, a couple of the, I don't know, the headline kind of findings, for say what small companies are doing well and maybe not so well and maybe what large companies tend to do well and maybe not so well because I think that's pretty instructive for folks who are listening who might be wondering themselves okay I'm in a large company but you know blah blah blah
2: yeah, so
0: that, that yeah. the key things you, you you can tease out from the report findings
2: yeah and every company is intersectional just like humans right so you can be a large company that's stable or growing, you can be a small company that's shrinking. So each of these, you kind of have to look at them together to get a full picture for a company. But if you're growing, you know, at some point you're going to be a large company. And what we found was that generally scores. So when I say scores, I mean, the percentage of people that are agreeing to positively worded questions um, in our engagement survey. Generally, those decline as a company gets larger, and we actually see the largest declines in perceptions of leadership and connection to the company, as well as autonomy and um, work flexibility, so being able to, to take time off from work. So it's It's definitely that connection aspect, like you were alluding to earlier. I sort of
0: guessed at it earlier, but it was about sort of company size versus growth pattern, right? Yeah.
2: Because we actually ask um, four different questions around leadership. We ask if employees have confidence in the leaders, um, if they feel motivated by the leader's vision, um, if they feel like the leaders demonstrate that people are important to the company's success. And then finally, uh, if the leaders keep people informed, about what's happening, right? So you can kind of separate those into the first two were kind of around emotional connection, right? Like are employees feeling motivated and do they feel confident in the leaders? And then the final two were more about behaviors that the leaders are demonstrating, right? Are they keeping people informed and are they really demonstrating that, that recognition of employees? And we see the declines are actually much larger in those emotional connection ones. So the leaders are generally probably doing the same things, but as the layers of the company, the levels just get you know larger and larger between most employees and leaders, they aren't able to to connect as easily.
0: Yeah, because no, I'm sorry,
1: Trish. I was just gonna say it's interesting too that um, the keeping people informed it really ties back to some of the pitfalls of you know being in a growth organization, yes. right? Yeah. Was that you know, in enablement, right? You said the lack of information, lack of understanding kind of where things are going. So it's uh, pretty important
2: regardless of the size of company you're in. Definitely. And that's actually a very good point. So we do something called driver analysis. So when you get your engagement survey results, kind of the first thing you probably look at is where you're scoring high and, and where you're scoring low, but that's really only one piece of the puzzle. The next is knowing what is actually important to employees and what drives engagement. And you find that out by correlating their response on one topic to another topic. And if they're highly correlated, that means they're they're responding similarly to both. So if the employee agrees that they have confidence in the leaders and all of them that agreed were also engaged, that would be a very high driver. And so we looked at how drivers differed by company size. So what matters to employees by company size? And we found that question specifically around the leaders keep people informed. It jumps up like crazy. Uh, it is a much higher driver in companies where there are more than 5,000 employees. Really, okay. It goes from like the 40th question out of 70 to in the, the top 10.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get why that makes sense, but I also kind of wonder, like, why, why, with all the modern ways and the technology that organizations have access to, to facilitate something, I don't want to simplify it too much, but something seemingly simple as yeah. keeping employees informed of, of, you know, business decisions, strategy, important uh, initiatives that the organization might be taking, like, it, it, I feel like it shouldn't be so hard Frisia, is it, is it, do you think it's because it's not just, oh, I sent an uh, all employees email every Friday? Is it people want more, I don't know, personalized or personal types of communication, which is just very, that is very, very difficult to scale? Like, I'm just wondering why, I don't know, maybe that's beyond the scope of the research. Like, why is that a problem? Like, or why is it's it? It's
2: beyond the scope of the research, but I have my own opinions. Yeah, I don't um, I think it might be the difficulty in reducing noise as you become a larger company. Like you assume that you're communicating really well, but everything is being communicated. So then people don't feel like they're informed because they might be missing it in the midst of the whole, their gigantic inbox or all of the Slack channels they're stuck in.
1: Yeah. 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 I think the other thing too, is if you are in a company of that size, really of any size, but especially of that size, You need to think about the way that people want to consume information. And so we're also used to, we might've grown up where email is the way, right? I know I'm not big on reading every single word of an email from the CEO, right? I might gloss over it and miss things. So I think it's simplify your message, but then put that out in many different ways, right? Yeah. It might be a video and an email and whatever, right? Two or three different ways. Um, something that's in print that's sent to the employees um, or maybe have them opt in to how they receive yeah. messages, right? So that they're not getting it in a way that's not comfortable or consumable by them. But I, I, it's interesting though, that that's one of the higher drivers kind of thinking back just to culture and engagement and, and leadership. I would say too, I don't know that we train our leaders to think about these things, right? So maybe if I'm a leader mm-hmm. at a smaller company and now I've taken a role at a larger company, I'm not necessarily changing the way I lead. I, I'm not training myself mm-hmm. on what are the drivers that are going to to really truly drive engagement and growth and success for me. Um, do you get clients that are thinking about those things or is that still something that's kind of... Um, I guess, randomly applied?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, usually when clients come to us, there's a reason, right? There, there's something that they they have an inkling of what's going on and they wanna be able to put data behind it and say, okay, we know this is going on because employees told us, but usually they're more interested in that, okay, these are the low scores and they're not as interested in what's actually driving engagement. So we kind of have to take them on that journey of changing their thought process to it's not just whatever's lowest, but it's actually, you know, where you have that opportunity for improvement is really going to to move the needle and be important to your employees. And that differs by company. You know, I am talking about what's the average, but I certainly see companies where they have high drivers that we don't see in other companies. So you have to ask people and then you have to do the analysis. You know, as as you said
0: that
1: I wrote down um, so many times in my career, right or wrong, it's like people are like, you'd get some sort of a survey back, right? And it's like, well, we're going to go after the low-hanging fruit. I'm putting that in air quotes, yeah. actually, right? So what you're saying is, which is that's that true, not necessarily by the, way, the, like the right, uh, right? <laughs> if we're all just going yeah. after the low-hanging fruit, we're not actually going after the most impactful things exactly. that are coming up that might transform our business. So yeah. I do, I will say, I think that's what's really interesting about Culture Amp and what you're doing is that you're taking- that information and all of that data you collect and then teaching your clients how to make it mm-hmm. um, actionable around those impactful yeah. data points versus the low hanging fruit. So I'm glad. Well, you and
2: there that. there's always some like red herrings. So compensation, okay. people are never happy with their compensation. It's always a low scoring question That's and it's true. very cool. rarely a high driver of engagement. Sometimes it is, uh, but very rarely is it. It's usually more leadership and learning and development is what we see being the, the key drivers. Yeah.
0: Breesha, uh, I had just one more I wanted to, to bring up because I, I, I saw it in the report and I saw it in my notes that uh, taken prior to the show, which was how employees feel about the importance of, not flexibility, it's another word, autonomy or maybe a little more control over their, how they do their work, when yeah. they they work, maybe even where they do their work and in this area, like and how how that why that matters, and then also, does it is it different, or do you do you have does the research uh, show that it's it's different between, say, companies of different sizes?
2: Yeah, that is such an interesting one. Um, so we found that as a company gets larger, not necessarily as it grows, but as a company increases in size, autonomy decreases. So feeling like employees are able to control the way that they do the work and the decisions that they're they're making around their work. But when we looked at drivers, it becomes a more important driver of employee engagement as a company gets larger. So I mean, this is all my hypothesis, but I would guess it's because, you know, at a small company, you're expecting to have autonomy and you do. So it's not really making right. you feel more engaged. Whereas at a larger company, if they're able to provide that environment that still allows for autonomy, employees are more engaged. And it seems like those yeah companies that can provide a small company experience in a large company are going to be better off.
0: Yeah. And, and that's one of the great takeaways and one of the great findings from a report like this. And there's lots more in here, but I wanted to bring that one up too, because I thought I, it struck out to me a little bit as, as really an actionable one. If you're a business leader or an HR leader at a larger company who might find themselves struggling a little bit to say, well, what can we do to kind of have that, that small company feel, if you will, right? Because it's when you're starting at a small company, almost no matter what the role is, you're brought in and you're told, okay, figure out how to do product development, yeah. or engineering <laughs> or marketing or human resources, just go figure it out, right? Set it all up, figure out what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. At a large company, for the most part, you're, you're brought in to then do stuff someone else has already figured out exactly are, right and you're just kind of told execute about on them, but, a framework yeah. that's
2: already been created
0: I, I think it's important to say well over time right what can we do to to provide employees more flexibility more autonomy and and, and those things that that the smaller companies tend to do well and sometimes because they have to I guess admittedly but, yeah. but they tend yeah. to do a little better
2: Well, and what's interesting is that it also works on the flip side. So smaller companies having effective systems and processes was a higher driver in smaller companies than in larger companies. And generally larger companies have more systems and processes. So it works both ways, I think, to be able to provide those pros that you might expect from a different size company.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess it's not a one, it's not a it's a complex thing right and you've got to find that right balance for your organization because even within small company large company or growing company kind of flat company not all companies are the same right they're operating in their own environment their own unique culture their own unique part of the world maybe that that has importance to this as well but I think there's some great uh there's some great learning some great takeaways in this report I I, I definitely recommend it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's long, but not so long that you can't read it. How's that? That's maybe a good way. It's very
2: meaty. It's about 40 pages of meat. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I want to say though, about this,
1: this is having been a practitioner. Here's how I would use this report. Right. I would, I'm someone that prints it off. Right. I'm going to hold it. I like, I have it printed off and I'll mark it in color, in color. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) no, but what I like is that it's sectioned off in ways that, that really makes sense. And so, you know, for example, I've got growth trajectories section right in front of me and you've got it broken out, out into the trends, the spotlights and the takeaways. And so I think what I would do is sort of, you know, skim it to begin with, to sort of get a feel for what is contained within. But then as I would be working through 2022, I'd be pulling that copy out again and again, as I needed it to dive in maybe on that or in, you know, maybe I really want to look at company size. Right. So I wouldn't necessarily say consume it with my team in one sitting, Yeah, but this could be something that could be used as a training guide for their HR teams, for example, or, you know, working with their, um, company stakeholders across the company, maybe, and really just dive in on little portions of it throughout the year so that it's actually consumable. And then you can actually use it to make an impact in your organization.
2: Definitely. I love that. Yeah. It's like a little field guide, just open it to the part that's relevant for what's going on in your organization. and And
0: it could be kind of, uh, Let's see it could be what you carry into that meeting with that that executive type person who maybe is falling down a little bit on instilling confidence and and being motivating yeah. and making that you know connecting with people on a you know at a meaningful level because uh, it, that's hard to do, but it's hard to sometimes it's hard to convince those people they need to maybe Definitely. change some of their behaviors, right? because they're not used to being told that. so uh, all right. This is great stuff. The, it's, the report is the Culture Crunch Report, Top Trends for to the Employee Lifecycle. You can find it at the Culture Amp website. We'll, we'll link to the actual page on the Culture Amp website where folks can find this report. Highly recommend it. Uh, download, share it with your teams, share it with your leadership. Really, really, really great stuff. Um, Freesia, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you had fun with this.
2: Yeah, this was so much fun. It's like just talking to other people nerds.
1: I have to tell you when, when it said you're passionate about bringing data to people problems I'm like, oh gonna love it. this is gonna be a great conversation. That's like my whole life.
0: So <laughs> my unrelated question before we end and I'll ask this of Frisia. So I don't remember Romy and Michelle movie all that well. I just remember the base basic plot of it is could we we do a series on the podcast uh, every so often called Workplace Movie Hall of Fame where mm-hmm. we, we rewatch an old movie. And then we sort of break down all the work nice. and workplace themes and ideas. In, can, in that one, could we do that one? Is there, yes. is there work uh, things in there, or is it more just high school shenanigans? And that's there isn't much work
2: things in okay. there. They more pretend to be impressive in What's their work one? life. she's created post-it notes. Ooh. Yes, okay. she. Uh, they go to a diner and ask if they have a business women's lunch special.
0: <laughs> Yeah. all true. right i don't know if we can do 30 minutes on that but that's funny anyway
2: <laughs> it's
0: a good yeah movie. perhaps yeah.
2: status around different jobs
0: okay I like yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to rewatch that and we'll have to see uh, otherwise we'll have to find another one maybe trish because we should do have you those. already done office space we you know we haven't and, know. so we tend oh to God. do ones that are just not exactly right I on think. the nose yeah work so like Like, uh, well, some are close. Like my favorite one probably we've done is Mr. Mom is a really good one. That was a good one. And Mm -hmm. we did Flashdance a number of years ago. Oh, nice. Oh my God. Flashdance is awful, by the way. How awful that workplace is. But (laughs) That's one I used to have on
2: VHS.
1: My mom loved Flashdance. I I don't think I realized at the time how bad that was towards women. And certainly watching it now, my daughter was like, oh, can I watch Flashdance? And I'm like, no, don't even do that don't even do that literally do every
0: female that? character in that movie gets harassed in her workplace and it's not totally. just the, the the main character it's all her friends too it's awful all but of them yeah um yeah. all right well <laughs> we, we will have to schedule another workplace movie hall of fame show. maybe we'll invite you back for that as, as our special guest i you would want. love oh, to uh, there there you go. Go. all right uh thank you so much Freja jackson from culture amp the report is the culture crunch report top trends through the employee life cycle downloaded at cultureamp.com. so much uh thank you so much for being here freesia great to see you
2: lovely to meet you both excited all to be back too.
0: all right now, trish thanks so much great show good stuff we great will show uh we will we will charge on uh, uh triumphantly as we head into oscar season and workplace movie hall of fame season so thank you uh all right that's it uh thank you everybody for listening to the hr happy hour show for our guest freesia jackson For course Farland. my name's nito's